0: Diving deep into the Red Sox. It's a Red Sox review. Here's Brian Barrett on WEEI.
1: Payoff pitch coming. Castro takes strike three and the ball game is over. Took a high fastball and that ends it. Now the Red Sox... Make it three straight wins and five of their last six, a run they need desperately. They're back to 500 at 59 and 59 as they beat the Pirates for the second straight night, the final Boston 8 and Pittsburgh 3.
2: All right, Welcome in. We're taking you up until midnight after another win for your Red Sox. They've won five of six. They're now 59 and 59 on the season. I get it. There's a lot of teams in front of them in this wild card race, but they're playing much better baseball right now and a lot of good developments with this team. So your biggest takeaways from this game in particular, if you do want to weigh in on whether or not you think this team can make a run here down the stretch of the season, that's on the table. And what do you make of this bullpen that has been really the Achilles heel of this team all season long? Not to say that's the only issue, but there's been a real major problem with the bullpen for the majority of the season. Does it feel somewhat stabilized? Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven the number. Because here's the thing. If you look at a guy like John Schreiber, he has been completely gassed. Remember, they just brought him in for the two batters last night. And ordinarily, you would see Alex Cora send him back out for the next inning, but he told... Mago and Lumerloni this afternoon that the reason he didn't do that is they got to take care of him. Remember, if you look at Schreiber on the season, he's already pitched 47 and two thirds. His previous career high was 15 and two thirds. So one of the big things that I was interested in is who is going to get outs for this team. And if you look at Schreiber, it's been an issue. Last 14 outings for him, 17 and two thirds, 279 opponents batting average, 130 whip. Previous 31 outings. A 0.60 ERA, 119 opponents batting average, and a 0.60 whip. And this isn't meant to be an indictment on John Schreiber. It's just he's been so good for this team for so long, you wonder what would happen if he struggled. Another guy that has been really good since they put him into the bullpen is Tanner Houck. And we may find out in the coming days, next week at some point, Tanner Houck is scheduled to see a specialist. We may find out that Tanner Houck is done for the season because it's a back issue. You never know what's going on as it pertains to a back. It could be something serious. We know it's a disc issue, so he could be done for the season. So one of the big question marks we had is who was going to step up in the bullpen. And over the past couple of nights, we saw Matt Barnes throw the ball really well last night and against the Yankees as well over the weekend. Sal Amora has been unbelievable since the start of August. We'll get into him in greater detail in just a little bit here as well. And Brazier's been really good. Brazier's had a w- weird season. He sucked. He was really good. He struggled again. And now Brazier's throwing the ball really well. We'll get into him in greater detail in just a little bit as well. So the number is 617 779 7937. Before we go any further, let's hear from the manager, Alex Korra. You
3: no, know, he's less out in. And- Obviously, it didn't go the way he wanted, and he takes pride in going five or six because he knows what it means, you know, bullpen wise And uh, he felt like the last one was better than the one in Houston. Uh, and this one, you know, I, I, he, he didn't rush, you know. They got two hits, two runs, and he knew, you know, kind of like, I, I got to slow down here, uh, and he did an amazing job. guys are in the position that you're in? He had not pitched well in his previous two. How much did he need to maybe show you a little something today? No, we I mean we expect him to pitch well. I mean the one against Houston it was like in short notice, right? It was a phone call at night you're pitching Houston. Um you know he, he he hasn't pitched in a while, you know, and uh, there's a guy that relies on command, uh, and it's not command in the zone, it's that fastball up in the zone that they chase, and uh, the breaking ball was sharp today, the slider was good, uh, he got some lefties out, and uh, it's what we needed. Uh, now, we're kind of like a full force tomorrow with Wink, you know, it's he's, he's a regular start for him. Shriver got a day you know, it should be available, Barnes is available, so uh, we feel good. But tonight, you know, like Rich was great, but Sawa those two innings were huge for, for us. You've talked about the need to manage the strike zone. What, what do you think from Verdugo in terms of pitch selection and just impact, impact? Really good, really good. And like I said, uh when we got Tommy and uh and Haas, he thought he was gonna hit in the bottom of the lineup and I was like, no, you you will hit up there, and it just happens that we created balance, right? Uh, right, left, right, left, and he's hitting fourth for the Red Sox now, and uh, you know he's hitting in between some good hitters too, and uh, he he recognizes situations. Today he recognized probably patterns, you know, slider away, fastball in, put some good swings. Was patient enough in certain situa- certain uh, at bats. JD was patient. Then they walked five. Right? They walked five Seven. times. no, but uh, those, those two, right? Was kind of like a month for the whole team, you know. Like so, uh, it was a good one. Uh, it was good to to get, you know. Arroyo had some good at bats and uh, to, to add on and be able to bring familia, stay away from guys. Uh, that's what we're trying to accomplish, you know. And uh, it was good. We won the series. Now we got a chance to sweep them. And yesterday we were talking about, you know a deeper roster and a deeper lineup as you're getting ref, back, uh, the by ref right there we were able to pinch it early uh in the game base loaded one out and uh you know we got plow we got ref who's one of the best right-handed hitters we have against lefties and he put a great at bat you know change-ups away there were cold strikes and then he was able to slow it down and work that walk so uh, we will do that obviously it's two catchers which it makes it hard but uh you know, the last third of the game, we've done it before, and we, we keep, we'll keep doing it.
4: Having
5: multiple innings where you send eight, nine batters to the plate in a stretch of these two games, what can that do for an offense just to see that, especially when, you know, some guys are going through ups, some guys are going through downs, but they're all contributing? Yeah, that?
3: it's always good, and, and not always, it's not always about hitting ball hard or getting hits. You know, we, we walk. Today, you know, seven walks. You know, we haven't done that in a while. When you start controlling the zone, good things are going to happen. And, uh, we we kind of joke around, like if you if you don't feel good at the play where you swing, swing less. You know, instead of swing more. And uh, we actually did a good job today on three two counts. You know, staying above, uh, away from the edges, and uh, it was a uh, all around a good baseball game.
2: All right, that was the manager Alex Cora after the game tonight. If you want to react to anything he said, you certainly can. The number is six one seven 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 nine. Seven ninety 7 So just, first of all, the Rich Hill thing he was talking about, that Hill had a good slider tonight, the breaking ball was better. I give Hill credit because I totally did not see that coming. After the way that this game started for Rich Hill, and after essentially the way that he's been pitching ever since he came off the injured list, I did not expect Hill to turn that start around. And basically he comes out in the first inning... Newman singled on a four-seamer that was up in the zone. Off the bat, 102.3 miles an hour. Reynolds comes up. He homers on a four-seamer that was up in the zone at 87.9 miles per hour. It just seemed like he did not have it whatsoever. That was 109 miles an hour. That's a 2-0 lead. After the first inning of this game, I tweeted out, added to Brian Barrett on Twitter, eight innings for Rich Hill since coming off the injured list at that point. 15 hits. That was a 394 opponent's batting average. Three home runs. Two strikeouts. That's 5.1%. So, actually, after his first eight outings off the injured list, he had given up more home runs than he had strikeouts, which is a very difficult thing to do. 10 earned runs. That was an 1125 ERA. 36 batted balls, 17 hard hit. That's 47.2%. That's absolutely atrocious. It would be in the bottom three in all of Major League Baseball for qualified starters on the season. So I did not see Rich Hill finding a way to get out of that funk, but he did to his credit. He retired the next 12 batters. And I'm not somebody that is going to say that after watching Rich Hill pitch today, I feel confident about him going forward or anything along those lines because even the way that the Red Sox handled Rich Hill tonight, you could tell that they don't feel super confident in the guy. Remember, he only threw 57 pitches tonight, and they took him out of the game. But if he can give you five innings and you're still in the game, You have to feel good about this situation with Rich Hill. He's a 43-year-old guy coming off an injury. He looked cooked his last couple of outings. He looked cooked the first two batters of this game. Give him credit for battling. You can't rely on the guy going forward, but he put the team in a position to win. After being absolutely horrible in the first two innings, give him credit for turning this thing around. But what I feel like is the two biggest storylines of this game, or really the biggest storyline of this game, before we get into Arroyo and Verdugo, because those guys essentially are carrying the lineup in August. Bogart still isn't hitting. J.D. Martinez, give him credit. He took three walks tonight. He took two last night, but he's not hitting. Rafael Devers, slowly but surely, did have the big hit late in this game, but he's still not himself yet as he makes his way back from, of course, the injured list. He hit the big home run against the Yankees the other night, so it's really been about Verdugo, and it's been about Arroyo in terms of the guys that are constantly carrying this offense right now, which is a good sign in some sense, that you're getting guys, I don't want to say guys on the periphery, but guys outside of the assumed best three players on the team, right? Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, and J.D. Martinez. Now, J.D. has not been good, really, since the start of June, but if you were just going to present who are the best three players on this team entering the season, those would be your three guys, in terms of from an offensive perspective. And it's nice to get other guys in the lineup that have stepped up for this Red Sox team in Verdugo at Arroyo. But the big thing to me right now is the bullpen of the Red Sox because the bullpen of the Red Sox, we've talked about it all season long. It's been a disaster for this team. It's been an absolute joke for this team. And you haven't been able to rely on really anybody outside the big three of Whitlock, Schreiber, and Tanner Houck. And now Tanner Houck is on the shelf. We told you about Schreiber at the beginning of the show that he's really tailed off. It looks like he's showing signs of Fatigue. And at this particular point in time, if you heard Will Fleming on the pregame show, the interview that he did, they don't even want him really thrown on the side anymore because they want him to save those pitches for later on in the season. He's not used to pitching this deep into a big league season. So that was a really scary proposition when we got the news about Tanner Houck last week that, wait, hold on a second here. If you don't have Tanner Houck, that means really all you have is Whitlock and Schreiber. And Schreiber, I'm not telling you I'm not assuming that at some point he looks like the pitcher he did in the first half of the season. But Schreiber's fatigued. How the hell are you going to get outs? Well, the way you got outs tonight was Salamora and Brazier. And if you go to that bottom of the sixth inning, and I don't want to sound too hyperbolic, but that's the best I've seen Brazier look this season. He obviously has had bigger moments this year, more important outs, but that's the most dominant he's looked all season long. You look at Brazier just in terms of his fastball, and I'm counting both the four-seamer and the two-seamer. 97.6, 97.2, 97.3, 97, 97.5, 96.6, 96.7, 96.7. So he was throwing absolute gas tonight. In that inning, Five whiffs on nine swings, that's 55.6%. The slider was nasty as two, and when he has that good fastball, he can set up the slider. He just mowed down the Pirates in that inning. And I get it's the Pirates, but anytime you strike out the side of Major League Baseball, it's awfully impressive. And if you look at Brazier this month, he really had one bad outing. Outside of that, he's been flat-out dominant. So now the fact that, and we've seen this with Ryan Brazier before. Remember, Brazier, for the majority of last season, was a non-entity. And then down the stretch of the season, they found something with Brazier. And it was really Brazier and Hansel Robles were the two main relievers that the Red Sox could rely on down the stretch of the season. I'm not getting into when they brought a starter like Pavetta out of the bullpen at the end of the season. I'm talking about just traditional relievers that the Red Sox have. Those were the only two guys that really – Alex Cora trusted by the end of the season because you weren't getting anything out of the rest of the guys. So Brazier being this version of himself is a major development because of the Schreiber issue right now from a fatigue standpoint and because Tanner Houck, who knows if he's ever going to pitch for the Red Sox again this season. You needed more guys in the bullpen to step up. Brazier has done that. And look, I understand that we're all going to be anxious. We're all going to be nervous. When is the rug going to be pulled out from Ryan Brazier because he's burnt us in the past? But right now, he looks like the best version of himself. The other guy that looks really good right now is Sal Amora. Sal Amora, if you look at it tonight, he gives you the two innings. He gives you the seventh. He gives you the eighth inning. And really bounced back after the Hosmer era, which is something that we're used to seeing with Red Sox first baseman. Not from Hosmer, but we saw it tonight. After that, he got Padlo to ground into a double play on a four-seamer, got Castro on a nasty splitter, and then the next inning comes back, he gives you a 1-2-3 inning. And here's the big thing if you look at it from Sal Amor's perspective. The one thing about Sal Amor is he's throwing the ball harder right now. We've seen that really since the start of August. And the other thing about Sal Amor is this. He gets a ton of ground balls. So entering tonight's game in his outings in... August, He had a 57.1% ground ball rate, which is absolutely outstanding. And if you look at it in tonight's game tonight, he had four ground balls. Out of the five batted balls, four of them were on the ground. So he continues to do the same thing in terms of that's the way he's going to get you out. If he's not striking you out, it's going to be on the ground, which is obviously huge for the Red Sox because you want these easy outs. You want these easy opportunities. And what guys do with that splitter, if they do touch it, they top it and it goes into a situation where the Red Sox have a really easy situation every time he's on the mound. If he's getting ground balls and strikeouts, it's major. And I do feel like coming out of the All-Star break, and I mentioned this in the Yankee series, is you could tell he's done something different in terms of his windup. He's sort of just stepping to the first base side. So they found something, or he found something in himself, that clearly works with him from a delivery standpoint. And by the way, if you do want to weigh in in the bullpen, are you buying into these guys? Salamora, Barnes, and Brazier. 617-779-7937, the number. I know this may have sounded crazy a couple of weeks ago that these are going to be the guys you're relying on, but they look really good right now. The other thing about Salamora, just real briefly here, in August, the launch angle on his batted balls is 2.8 degrees. So that means basically everything is getting hit into the ground. So, Brazier was really good, Salamora was really good, and Matt Barnes is another guy that we saw last night who was really good for this team as well. And if you look at Matt Barnes, this is now, he's looked a lot better since coming off the injured list, but in particular, he's looked a lot better in his last three outings. So, if you look at Barnes' last three outings, fastball velocity is up to 95.3. His previous 23 outings, his fastball velocity was at 94.6. Curveball is at 84.9. The curveball in the previous 23 outings is at 83.8%. And the thing right now about Barnes is he has his command. 21.3% called strike rate in his last three outings. Only one reliever is north of 21% on the season. Prior to the last three outings, his first 23, he had just a 16.6% called strike rate. That ranked 161st of a 377 relievers, minimum of 10 innings because Barn didn't throw a ton. The called strike plus whiff rate. So how often are you getting a whiff or a called strike? He was at 38.3% in his last three outings. Only Edwin Diaz is north of 36% on the season. You know, like the best relief pitcher in all of Major League Baseball. And then previously, the previous 23, 26.6%. So it seems like right now there is a confidence with Matt Barnes and part of the confidence comes with the fact that he's throwing the ball harder. And the biggest thing, and I'll continue to harp on this, the biggest thing that jumps out to me with Matt Barnes, I get it that he's got the velocity back on the fastball. But when that happens, his curveball is way more effective because what happens sometimes he starts pitching backwards when his fastball is not there. He starts nibbling. And this curveball that he has right now, it is sharp and it is very difficult to pick up. It's coming out of the same arm slot and nobody's touching his curveball right now. So those three guys right now, when you needed somebody to step up, these three guys have shown you something in the month of August so far. Now, like I said, it doesn't mean that these guys are going to continue to throw the ball well the rest of the season, but we would all acknowledge this with Deakman out of the picture because he sucked. You got rid of him. Austin Davis has been atrocious for this team. There's no way you can rely on that guy. You needed other guys in this bullpen to give you something because you couldn't just ride Schreiber the rest of the season. We've already seen this guy is fatigued right now. Tanner Houck is on the shelf. Garrett Whitlock ordinarily gives you two innings at a time, and then he needs two days in between. Now, since he made easy work of the Yankees on Friday, (laughs) and he only faced, what, seven batters in that particular outing, they brought him back out on Sunday. But when Tanner Hauke, or excuse me, when Whitlock gives you two innings, you ordinarily have to pencil in two off days for him. So that means other guys have got to be ready to go. And tonight... Cora didn't even wait. He didn't push Rich Hill. He said, Rich Hill's done after five. Let me go to Brazier. Let me go to Sal Those guys can get it done for me. So there's a confidence now that the manager has in these guys, and the fact that they stuck with them for the majority of the season, or I should say Cora stuck with them, gives those guys confidence that, hey, we can go out here and get big outs. So I get it, and I'll get into Verdugo, and I'll get into Arroyo in greater detail as the night goes on because those guys have been downright tremendous. But just from... The perspective of how is this team going to make a run? That, to me, is the important thing tonight. Is, again, you got good performances from relievers that haven't been good at times this season. And that is the Achilles heel of this team for the majority of the year. Now, they don't hit with runners in scoring position at times. That can aggravate you. They've been better as of late. They struggled to hit for power. We've outlined that multiple times with Bogarts and JD. So, I'm not telling you it's their only fault. But it's the biggest glaring weakness we've harped about all season long and it looks better, really, over the past couple of weeks. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. The number. Let's get to Derek in California. Hey, Derek.
5: Hey, what's up, Brian? Just wanted to first say uh, thanks, and I'm going to miss you uh, breaking down the games every single day. But um, I, I had one question about the bullpen. One thing I've never heard about in a long time: wh- where's Josh Taylor at? Because you're talking yeah, about I, I think he's and... done,
2: Derek. I mean, he came back and. He did a, he, two times, he went on rehab outings, and he got shut down. So there's something severe with the back that's going on there. I mean, I don't know what type of announcement we're going to get at the end of the season, but it's a good point by you because he was really good for this team. He was dominant against lefties last season, and unfortunately, he's just not going to be part of the equation. His velocity never got up, and he was still having issues with the back. So he's,
1: yeah, unfortunately, year, yeah, I mean, he's he a non-factor. That that went oh,
2: 26, I think it was, right? It was one away from Koji's.
5: Right. And then, well, and then when he blew it, it was pretty bad. But uh, still, I mean, he was your go-to lefty reliever. And, man, it's really a real bummer to see him gone the whole
1: season.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing is if you think about it right now, Derek, the Red Sox really don't have a reliable lefty until Strom comes back. And I know Strom threw the ball well last week for Worcester. so Or, excuse me, last night rather for Worcester. So hopefully you can get him back. But, yeah, that's the guy that they relied on last year, even into the postseason. When lefties were coming up, that's the guy they went to. And unfortunately, it just it never took this year in terms of him coming back from the back injury. And I'm wondering what his long-term prognosis is going to be, Derek, because this is obviously a ma- major issue if it's going to hold him down the rest of this season. I wonder what he's going to be long-term.
5: All right, because it shows that he's still on the active roster. So, yeah, I don't know. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian.
2: All right, good stuff, Derek. I appreciate the call. His line's open at 617 779 Seven ninety three seven. Yeah, the Taylor thing just sucks because Taylor was one of the better left handed pitchers against lefties last season. Now, he was not good against righties, but when you needed an out against a left handed batter, Josh Taylor was that guy for the Red Sox last season. There's no way around that. And none of these other guys have really transformed into that. Now, Strom to a lesser extent, but really if you look at it, Austin Davis has been horrible. His whip right now is at two. That guy, for all intents and purposes, he is a non-entity. You cannot rely on him whatsoever going forward. They tried to get Darwinson up here. He absolutely sucked. And then you look at a guy like, for example, Jake Diekman. He's already out of the picture. You traded him at the deadline. That was another guy you felt like, all right, maybe he's a lefty that can get lefties out. That just never really happened. You look at Taylor last year. Lefties hit just 146 against him with a 381 OPS. He was dominant against lefties. He's got that nasty slider. Let's get to Kenny's in California. Hey, Ken.
6: How are you doing? Good. Uh, listen, two things. One, I hope your replacement is a straight shooter like you are and <laughs> and tells it like it is.
2: I hope okay? so, too, Ken. I don't know who it's going to be, but we'll see.
6: <laughs> we'll see. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and secondly,
6: uh, Jairus Familia. Oh, my God. He looks awful.
2: Awful. Yeah, he sucks, Ken. And There's you know, no way around that. And look, at when they picked him up, he sucked. At the time they picked him up, he had a three thirty-eight mm-hmm. opponent's batting mm-hmm. average. That was last among relievers with at least thirty innings. His whip was one eighty five. That was last as well. So and tonight and we to saw it. He was horrible. Decent. The guy was horrible.
6: Yeah, he used to be a halfway decent reliever with the Mets two yep. years ago. Yep. Not bad at all. And and when I saw that they were gonna pick him up until I saw the stats, I said you know that's great. Then I said, "Oh my God, you got to be kidding
2: me!" Yeah, I mean, so there's another one you can't rely on. He's he's coming on the cheap. Yeah, and look, Ken, where yeah. they were at, and look, I this guy's had issues off the field that we know about, but where they were at at the time yeah. in terms of the bullpen issues when they signed Familia, it's a shot in the dark. That's all it was. It's yeah, let's see yeah. if this guys get anything left. It, it's not like he cost. You didn't have to trade from. You're not really paying them, so it didn't really cost the Red Sox anything to get a look at the guy. But I have no faith that they'll get anything out of him.
6: Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. And you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm watching it, and I'm saying, okay, well, you know, you look here, you know, they got a decent lead, and then he comes in and. He starts putting people on base and I'm saying to myself, oh my God, if somebody, if he walks another guy and somebody hits a grand slam, it's a tight game again.
2: I know. <laughs> well, they were going to have to get Barnes up. They're going to have to get him going if, if Amelia couldn't get it together. well, Luckily, they didn't have to do that.
6: Uh, I, I got a question for you. Where is your podcast going to be? Because I'd like to, I'm not a podcast guy, but I'm I'm going to do that.
1: Yeah,
2: so I'm we're going to be on, Ken, after a lot of Red Sox games, by the way, too. It, you get it's The company is The Ringer and Spotify. You can get it pretty much any podcast oh, service you have, whether it be Apple, Spotify, any of those podcast entities. It'll be right on there.
6: Oh, okay, good, good. Well, I'm sorry to see you go, because like I said, you're a straight shooter, and uh, you take no prisoners. And that's a good thing,
2: because they need it. Well, Ken, hey, I appreciate the kind words. One more show for me tomorrow night, so we'll hear from you tomorrow, right? Absolutely. All right, Ken.
6: 100%.
2: Have a great night, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. Let's get to Wally in Fall River. Wally!
4: What's up, Brian? Good luck. Uh, It's a little late, but I wish you all luck in the will. You're a good analyst, and I appreciate you taking my call, squeezing me in. And uh, we've had some good conversations. But uh, one thing I've never told you: trade Rafi for Julio Iglesias. Uh, <laughs> I've never, you know, I've always prepared my calls before I call you. But uh, you know, Brian, anything can happen in this game. You look at the Braves last year; who's in the World Series? The Braves. They got hot at the right time. Yep. Uh, Bonds seems to have. Uh, I'm keeping my fingers sure crossed. Resurrected himself, so has the rest of the bullpen, which has been, you know, stinker all year. Uh, for a while, we had a triple A lineup, but now the lineup seems to have stabilized. You need some of these little guys to step up, because uh, like I said, you're not getting much out of out of Bogey now, and you're not getting much out of JD. But uh, you look at the two teams that were home last year that won 100 games, the Dodgers and the Giants. So, uh, like I told you before, Brian, uh, it's more or less in their Roman hands. They're playing a lot of teams; they have to beat. You know, so it's really in their own hands. But if they can win 8-9 in a row or maybe 12 out of 15, they get a shot.
2: Yeah, they're going to have to, Well, they're going to have to go on one of those runs. They're going to need to have a big run here in the coming weeks. And right now, they're starting one. If you look at it, okay, so they take two of three from the Yankees after the game that they beat Baltimore. You've already taken two from the Pirates. You should sweep this team tomorrow, even if Nate can't pitch and you got to go with Josh Winkowski. You should win this game. And then it's time to put the Orioles in their place, Wally. That's the bottom line. The Orioles should not be in this race right now. They're not trying to be in this race. They traded away Mancini. They traded away their closer. The Red Sox owe it to the Orioles. They have got to go and beat the Orioles down this week. And I know two in Baltimore, and then they go to Williamsport. They got to beat them down, bottom line. And then you're really starting to cook with gasoline. And then you're going to build up some confidence. So I'm with you, Wally. I don't think it's impossible to make this run. Now you're going to need some luck that some of these other teams fall off. But right now... The Red Sox are starting to get it going with guys like Verdugo and Arroyo, and they just need Bogart's endeavors to get going and maybe one other guy, and then this lineup's going to look a lot better as well.
4: Right. I mean, you've got Kiki back. I mean, uh, you're getting help from Verdugo. I mean, you're not getting, like I said, the power. Uh, it's a mystery. You figured you would have, J.D. would have 35 bombs by now. Yeah. Uh, same with a bogey around 20, but uh, what are you going to do? They traded Hunter, Hunter Renfro. And that's biting him in the rear end right now. But uh, he got familiar for what, a couple of whoppers. to same with Tommy Pham. He got him for nothing. You know, they were handing to him on the plate practically. Yeah, we but, still, uh, don't, we still don't
2: even know. We still don't even know what the heck they got. Because Pham is a player to be named later. Now, the Right, one thing, the right. One, yeah, the one thing I'll say about that, Wally, is I know the Red Sox were interested in Pham prior to the season. And they didn't get a deal done with him then. And remember, Pham came out he told the Globe, that he wanted to be here, and Haim took too long to get a deal done. You just wonder what Fam could have meant for this team if they signed him earlier this season, before the year, and they weren't messing around with all these different guys in the outfield.
4: Right, uh, like I said, you got uh, Duran out of center field now, so that's good, you know. But uh, like today didn't happen, Brian. If, if they're two games out of September first, they got a shot. I'm
2: with you. Yeah, I'm with you, Wally. We'll see if they can make up some ground here. I appreciate the call, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. That's the thing. Like, right now, I understand you're all going to be, and I'm going to be as well, scoreboard watching. You just can't worry about it. Like, you have got to take care of your own business, continue to play baseball at the right way, and see where the chips fall at the beginning of September. I'm not ruling it out, and I'm not saying this team doesn't have a chance whatsoever. They do. They're a good enough team, they're a talented enough team, and they're starting to get healthy. It's all going to come down to it feels like. Can they get a good Bogarts down the stretch? Can they get something from J.D.? And look, I know he walked a ton tonight, but they have gotten little from J.D. since the start of June. He's legitimately been one of the worst hitters in the sport. Can they get something from J.D.? I don't worry about Rafi. I just feel like he's getting his timing back right now. Had the big home run on Sunday Night Baseball. Big hit tonight, so I don't worry about him. But Bogarts and J.D., they got to get something from those two guys. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you all the way up until midnight. So if you do to away in this one, you certainly can. Are you starting to buy into this team? And in particular, are you buying into some of these guys in the bullpen? Can they make a run? 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you here on EEI.
0: Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI.
2: All right, welcome back in. The Red Sox playing good baseball again. They've won five of their last six. And the scary thing is, not the scary thing, the good thing is, this team is starting to get healthy. Get Kike back the past couple of nights now. Kike has not hit since he came back. He did have the sack fly two nights ago. I should say last night, but overall Kike has not looked like the same player since he's come back. Not that he was hitting the ball well to begin the season anyway, but that's gonna take time. He's a launch angle guy, so the timing it's much more difficult for a guy like him than say, not that he's in this sort of stratosphere, but with Rafael Devers. Devers not a huge launch angle guy, Kike Hernandez clearly is, so it takes a little bit of time to come back. That's why I do caution people when Story comes back, if he comes back, when he comes back, it's going to take him a while to get his timing back as well. 617 779 the number. Let's get to Marco. He's in Easton. What's going on, Marco?
3: Hey,
5: what's going on? Um, I just want to say I'm feeling very optimistic about this Red Sox team lately. Like I mean, it. I know I might, I might be crazy, but... You know, I mean, I was looking at the schedule. I mean, the rest of the schedule, it's all pretty much all division games. I mean, and the games that aren't division games, they're 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 not too tough. And I'm looking at the team. We're getting healthy. We got Kike back. Kike, I mean, I know he didn't do very great, but he, he produced tonight. He had an RBI, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, um, well, and
2: the other thing, too, Marco, just about Kike, is Kike is second in Major League Baseball since the start of 2021 in a defensive run save for a center fielder. Jaron Duran was 74th out of 77 at minus 11. Just getting that stabilizing force back in center field now that Bogarts was in the lineup tonight. It's just a good feeling knowing that you have one of the best major league center fielders back there from a defensive perspective than one of the worst. And the thing about Duran was he wasn't hitting either. So it made no sense to keep that guy in the lineup. Not to say they had another choice at this particular point in time before Kike came back. But it is nice just to have that good defensive center outfielder again. Center fielder, I should say. Yeah.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, Duran, Duran killed me. I mean, he had that one game, he had what, three defensive errors in the outfield. Oh my God, and I'm looking yeah. at this, I'm looking at this lineup now. I mean, we got Kike, JD, Bogart, Devers, Hosmer, Tommy Sam. We got Trevor Story, who I'm, I'm not sure what his timeline's looking like, but I mean, I put this lineup together and I'm starting to think like, this is a like, I mean, it, it might sound crazy, but like that's a world series lineup. Like, with that firepower in the lineup, and and I'm looking at the schedule, I'm like, if, if they can just battle out these division series and just win two out of three for, like, whatever, for the next month or month and a half, like, they have, like, if they can just get in, they have a strong chance. And, and the reason I'm calling in is because I wanted to hear, like, your opinion and your, like, your probability on, like, this Red Sox team and, like, what their chances are looking like moving forward because obviously like we won two in a row against pittsburgh we play them tomorrow like if we sweep pittsburgh like it's really like i feel like it's fair game like from there on
2: well the big thing and i appreciate the call marco is they're gonna have to go on a massive run like they're gonna have to win 28 out of the next 42 something along those lines right something like that they'll have to do they'll have to play it like a 667 winning percentage, something along those lines, just to put themselves in a position. Like, they're going to need to go on a big run here. They're going to need some help. So it's still an uphill battle to get to that point. But you got to start somewhere. Now, as it pertains to the lineup... Maybe hyperbolic to call this a World Series lineup right now because they haven't hit this way all season long. But I get the idea of, okay, when you get this team healthy, this lineup does look really good. And the other thing is the bench looks better. Like Russ Snyder comes off the bench tonight, hit against the lefty because he absolutely clobbers left-handed pitching. He takes the walk. So the team is certainly getting deeper at this point in time. And having Pham at the top of the lineup is a nice addition. We documented this last night. Entering today, since the trading deadline, he had a 68% hard hit rate. That's balls off the bat, 95-plus miles an hour. He hits good pitching. He hits fastballs. And it does really help that you hit in front of Rafael Devers. And I do love it. It's not to this extent. I do like a guy that, prior to the trading deadline, he was in the top 30 in Major League Baseball and walk rate. Now, he's not walking a lot here because he's seeing a lot of pitchers because Rafi hits behind him. But having a guy that you have to throw to in the zone like Kyle Schwarber, that's imperative in front of Raphael Devers because then you're going to see a lot more pitches because Devers is the landmine in the lineup that everybody's trying to avoid, that everybody wants to pitch around, which means a guy like Pham that can hit fastballs, that's going to benefit him. And we've seen him really take on that role of the leadoff guy and hitting in front of Raphael Devers has clearly helped Pham. Let's get to Jay and Warwick. KJ.
1: What's up? What's up, Brian? How you doing, man? I'm doing. Uh, what are you doing? You, you're jumping ship? You're going to a podcast?
2: Yeah, I'm starting a podcast for Bill Simmons Company, The Ringer. It's going to be local Boston. All It's three, four times a week, every every week. So it's going to be all Boston stuff. I'm not going anywhere.
1: I'm not moving. I'm just leaving EI. Uh, all right. So, all right, I'll miss you because I'm just getting started here with you, brother. But well, anyway, you got you to gotta listen, hey, listen to
2: the podcast, man. We're going to be on after a lot of I'll Red listen. Sox games. I'll
1: listen. All right, all I'll right, listen, cool. But I have no, I can't, inter, can I interact with it? Yeah, you can interact with it. Oh, well then, okay, then we're good. All right, I'll figure, I'll find you. Listen, I'm telling you right now, this team, we talked about this last night, and you also got to, you're going to tell me when you're going to hang up on me, because I, I get confused, but anyway. This team right now is coming together and, and what I said to uh who's your producer? Justin, he's the best. Justin, Justin. I said to Justin. I said is Heim Bloom really has he done a good job and we just haven't seen it because this team is set up right now to go on that that 25 of 30 four-game run that you're talking about. And I really do. I believe it.
2: Yeah, it's going to come down to these division games, Jay. Okay, so the Orioles, they got to, and I I stress this, they have got to beat up on the Orioles this weekend. I know the Orioles have a good season. I know they're in front of you in the standings. But let's face it, the Red Sox is a much more talented team on paper. They have got to put that ball club in their place. They got to finish this thing off tomorrow against the Pirates. You got to sweep the Pirates after – the debacle in Kansas Absolutely. City. You have got to sweep this, or it is going to feel like a letdown if you don't do that. And then you got to take care of Baltimore we, this weekend.
1: Beat their ass in front of
2: all those little leaguers on Sunday. Ball,
1: and you've got to you you've got to have Debs Debs Bogots and JT. Uh, they've just got to start swinging some bats. If they swing some bats and and stop putting some some you know putting some balls out into the field, like you know JD Martinez. Yeah, He had a bunch of walks tonight, but Jesus, I mean. Yeah, he's the one, Jay. Mm-hmm. He's the one where
2: I just don't know if he's going to come back. Bogarts, it feels like, and Will Fleming, uh, Will Fleming rather was talking about this earlier today. He said he chatted with Bogarts before the day, and Bogarts thinks he found something. He thinks because Bogarts had been dealing with an injury, a shoulder issue, he had a wrist issue, And his hands were getting away from his body. So Xander told Will that he thinks he got away from that habit. It took a while to break it. So maybe we see Bogarts get hot here in the coming weeks because they could
1: certainly use that. I I, I could definitely see that because Bogarts has been hit on every part of his body hard. Forearm, wrist, ankle. I mean, he's almost almost like a catcher at home plate. He's been hit so many times. Like... He's dealing with so many. He's dealt with so many nagging injuries all year long. Yeah, no, Regardless he has And, and that, Jay, that's I been mean, going on the
2: past couple of years now. It seems like he's always banged up. Whether it's a wrist, whether it's a, a, I,
1: feel, I feel like they throw at him. To be honest with you, but I mean, he gets hit. So he's like Don Baylor.
5: <laughs> well, it's like uh, Anthony hey, yeah. Rizzo.
2: Well, that's I the guy that gets hit all the time.
1: Don Bela, you know, but. But JD and they keep pitching him outside, 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 outside. They very yeah breaking come balls in. away. I mean, Bra- that's his kryptonite, breaking uh, balls. Breaking he can't balls lay away. off them. It's nauseating. Yep, it's nauseating. And he lays off. He lays off. He lays off. And they come in. He come. They come in on him, middle in, and he just wants to hit so bad, and he just he swings right through it. Like ah, it's painful. But anyway.
2: Good stuff, Jay. Hey, I appreciate the call, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. I'm optimistic about the team. I just we haven't seen enough for an extended period of time that I can predict they're going to go on the run that I'm talking about 28 and 14, something along those lines to get into position to be down the stretch of the season playing for one of those spots. Let's get to Sam and Easton. What's up, Sam?
5: How's it going, fellas? Uh, I agree with you. I am optimistic on what the Sox are going to do the
1: rest of the season, but I'm calling because I want to know your guys' thoughts on why Rafael Devers, borderline right up there with Juan Soto as one of the youngest guys in the league with the most power, best bat. He's become so much better defensively. What on earth are the Sox thinking offering him a Matt Olson type contract? Now, I love what the Braves are doing contract-wise, and I wish the Red Sox would do that. But how are you not offering Devers more money?
2: Well, yeah, and Sam, that's a longer conversation, but I'll tell you this, just uh, the short version of this, I believe that's going to change because that was not, (laughs) that was a dumbass offer to make to him, especially considering when you offered it, right? Like the time to offer Devers a contract like that was after 19, where he still had a bunch of years under club control and he just hit the 54 doubles. That's when you should have gone to Devers about, a potential contract extension. You shouldn't have waited until just prior to this year to offer him a deal. That makes no sense because right now the player has all the leverage. What's the point of him taking a contract that's team-friendly when he's a free agent in two years? It just made no sense for him to ever even consider the 168. At worst, he knows that deal That deal. That deal is sitting there for him, so he's going to make more. But this is what I'll say, Sam. Buster only this week was on over the weekend on the station on Sunday. And this is after I interviewed Buster six weeks ago, MLB insider, all that. He said he can't see them getting a deal done with Devers based on the way that Heimbloom operates. Okay, flip forward to Sunday. He says they're going to get a deal done with Devers. He can't see them letting Devers get away, which tells you this, Sam. Ownership got into the ear of Heimbloom and said, you're signing this guy. I don't care what it costs. You cannot lose Mookie Betts. Bogarts could leave after the season. You have got to make sure you sign this guy long term. So... Now I'm feeling much more optimistic about the Devers situation that they're gonna get something
1: done. Awesome. All right, I just I have one thing to follow up on that. Sure. Say the Sox do not sign Bogarts and they they don't sign Devers. Do you see the Red Sox turning into and putting up good numbers and they're fighting for a playoff spot like the Orioles are right now?
2: You're saying if it's just the guys in the forum system and all the star level players are gone, like all of them? So yeah, you're talking so about, like, say, when Meyer's up and York's up and all those guys down the road, essentially? Exactly, yeah. And, Sam yeah, well, I don't I mean, know, maybe, maybe
1: Bellows something now. And, yeah,
2: Sam, I mean, it's still a while till we get there, and they still, and I appreciate the call, my friend. It's gotten better, the farm system, but it's still, like, yeah, you got Walter at the minor league level. You, of course, have Brian Bayo. The pitching is Pretty good, but not like elite-level pitching And uh, with the exception of Bayo and his stuff. But as we've seen when bayo has been up, he still needs a little bit more seasoning. It's tough for me to predict that because I don't know what the rest of the league's going to look like. If it's going to look like this, then no, the Red Sox are not going to be making a run with all prospects if the division is this stacked. But, yeah, I'm more optimistic about where the farm system's at than I was a couple of years ago. Heimblum does deserve some credit for that. There's no doubt about it. 617 779 the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until midnight. Okay, so if you do want to weigh in on this, are you feeling more optimistic after what we've seen from the Red Sox over the past couple of days? And in particular, are you buying in to any of these bullpen guys? 617 779 the number. Brian Barrett with you on EI.